Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. It's called WTF. Are you in the right place? Did you uh, did you did you stop the dial at the right show? Are you at the right place on the dial today? Brendan Fraser is here. Newly Oscar nominated Brendan Fraser for Best Actor for his performance in The Whale, which I saw. And it's weird. I do not. Uh, it turns out I'm not really in the loop of what people are saying about movies. Bits and pieces. I don't do any real reading about fil- films that I haven't seen yet. Generally speaking. And I didn't know anything about this movie. I knew some people were upset that he was not uh, as affected by obesity as he should be to play uh, the part that he was playing. But uh, I don't know that that really uh, set one way or the other with me. I don't don't know if I felt one way or the other, but I didn't know anything about the movie. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know anything. And I went in and I watched it and I found it moving. Uh, a, A compelling and heartbreaking portrait of grief and shame and guilt oh my god it was it was clearly i would have liked to have seen the play but i thought he did a great job i thought everyone in the movie did a great job and it made me realize some things and i talked to him about it about how the problem or the disease or however you want to frame it the the reality of obesity has profoundly affected me personally and and to in a deep way to my core and I, uh, I talked to Brendan about this because it was a realization I had. And outside of it, outside of that, when I was watching the movie, I very quickly was no longer, you know, kind of um, focusing on, you know, his, the character's weight, but just his, the weight of his heart. I, I, I like the movie. New cat mugs from Brian Jones go on sale today at noon Eastern today. And this time they'll only be available for 24 hours. So that's noon today until noon tomorrow, Friday at WTFmugs.co. WTFmugs.co. I believe, I don't know what series he's working on. Sometimes he does the retro cat mugs. Other times you get the uh, the Buster and Sammy cat mugs. We got to get Charlie on there. Charlie Beans Roscoe is uh, okay. He's a pain in the ass. He's a, he's an asshole almost all day long, but at four thirty five in the morning, he's purring and rubbing my face with his face and sometimes sticking his nose into my mouth. Not great. Not great. 
But I, but I understand he's awkward and this is his way of showing affection and it's the middle of the night, but then the rest of the day, full on kid and asshole. So, but anyways, this uh, design that won't be offered again, I'm, I'm hearing, and I haven't seen the design of the mugs. Uh, it's, it's very limited. It's a limited batch. All right. Brian Jones made a limited batch of the mugs. So I would go grab one at WTFmugs.co. Only available starting noon today for 24 hours. Can you dig it? Okay. What do I got to get you up to speed on? Oh, Eliza Schlesinger, who sometimes just goes by Eliza these days, is a fierce and uh, intense comedian and person. Uh, her and I ha are, are friends. Uh, we've had our disagreements and we've worked through them. Uh, but I get her and she gets me and, you know, she is a force of nature. You know her, Eliza Swessinger. Her husband is a very sweet guy. He's not, I don't know him to be intense or uh, fierce, but he's very pleasant, very grounded. And uh, he's a big fan of the show. And he's a chef. I have gone to, uh, when I was in the middle of the grief, me and uh, Noah, Noah Galutan is his name, uh, uh, went to the farmer's market. You know, he, good guy. And we text occasionally. And he has written a couple cookbooks with other people, but he's written his own cookbook. It's the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook. It came in the mail. Like, I'm, this is not a paid plug. This is me supporting other artists. This guy's, he's married to Eliza, you know, which has got to be, um, you know, <laughs> be careful, Mark. Look, all I know is a sweet guy and he wrote this cookbook and it came in the mail in a box from the publisher with a, with a, a bag of, of, uh, of what do you call it? Heirloom beans, some high-end pasta, uh, some olive oil, a spatula. Yeah. And so, and, and, it, and the book, the don't panic pantry. And I'm a cook. I like, I like to cook. And right away I get into it and, and I'm, I'm like, because of what happened after the colonoscopy, I'm changing my diet. And I'm like, right away, it's like, what about beans? And there's a recipe for beans. And it just tells you to cook basic beans. And they, he doesn't soak them. So right away, I'm texting him. We don't soak your beans. He's like, you don't have to. That's a myth. I'm like, really? Yep. And it doesn't, it doesn't even stop the gassiness. I'm like, really? Yep. And I cooked the beans like Noah told me to in the Don't Panic Pantry cookbook. And they came out great. And then I made his tahini dressing from the cookbook. It's mostly, the, the, the subheading is mostly vegetarian comfort food that happens to be pretty good for you. And Eliza wrote the foreword. And there's all these pictures of them living a regular life in their house. She's sitting there having coffee and he's cooking things. Like regular people. Anyway, I'm doing this because I like them. And, uh, and it, the cookbook, it just looks to be right up my alley and you can uh, pre-order it wherever you pre-order books. The don't panic pantry cookbook, Noah Galutin. Okay. Okay. With a forward by Eliza, a frenetic fierce forward <laughs> by the intense Eliza Schlesinger. I'm saying this all in a nice way, Noah. So don't get her all worked up. Well, yeah, I know you're listening because he listens. He enjoys the show. Okay. Something else. What else is happening? I'll tell you. 
The trailer for my special is out. We've got a date for the special. The HBO special is coming out on HBO. It's premiering on HBO proper February 11th. I imagine it'll show up on HBO Max pretty shortly after. But I've posted the trailer on Twitter. It's a great trailer. The music sounds good. The uh, Stephen Finearts, who directed it, did a beautiful job. And uh, I'm very happy with it. And and you can watch the trailer of, for the special and get a good sense of what the special is. It's it just... I. It, it's happening. My special from bleak to dark is premiering on HBO on uh, February 11th. Okay. Also, Andrea Riceboro comes around from the outside, comes from the back, gets the uh, Academy Award nomination for Two Leslie. How fucking exciting is that? She, you know, had a ran a grassroots campaign, or people did for her, and she got the nom. So the movie that I'm in with her is now an Oscar-nominated movie. I've been in a few of those, by the way. I've been in a couple Oscar-winning movies. Uh, the Joker. I was in Joker. And I was in Almost Famous, both uh, Oscar-winning movies. But this is uh, very exciting for the film because it's a small film. And the distributor, Momentum Pictures, uh, totally dropped the ball and left the movie hanging on all levels. All levels. Just the worst. And somehow or another through actors coming together as a community, deservedly so, Andrea Riceboro has been nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress. Very exciting and thrilled to be part of it and happy for everybody involved. So the last time I talked to you, I was, I was, I believe I was in the middle of the fasting and, and uh, pooping for a colonoscopy. I'm sorry, just, you know, if, if you're triggered by talk, of uh, invasive uh, probing exams then um, with consent, then this might not be for you. But here's the deal. So I go back to this doctor I went to. Now, I don't know if I told you, but the doctor, he's a funny doctor. You know, I mean, well, he tries to be funny. Like the last time when I went in for the first colonoscopy, he asked me if I was a virgin. You know, okay. You know, not particularly appropriate, but doctors are doctors. And it was funny enough. And I'm sure he used it a million times. So he asked me if, you know, if I'd been, if I'd had one before, I said, yeah, you did it like eight years ago. He's like, oh, so you're, you're back. And I'm like, yes, I am. And he said, well, um, you know, I go to the surgery center and he's talking to me and I meet the anesthesiologist and I meet the, uh, the nurse who asked me, uh, did you consent to uh, 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 someone watching the procedure? I'm like, what is this like? Do they buy tickets? How does this work? Are you running a side hustle where people come in and watch colonoscopies? What are you talking about? Well, the doc uh, has a new assistant who, you know, he's getting up to speed. And and I said, I didn't know anything about that. So he asked me and he says, can my new assistant, he introduces me. She's standing there. Do you mind if she watches? I'm like, look, man, I, I, sure. It's fine. Go, yes. Everyone has to learn. If you want to learn from my ass, then I'm, I'm flattered. I hope, uh, I hope it's, I hope, I hope it's nothing terrible, but there's enough to, uh, you, that you have to do there, uh, to, to get some hands-on, uh, hands-in experience. So anyway, I asked him cause James, my buddy, James, he says to me, he says, get, are you getting an endoscopy? I'm like, do I need an endoscopy? He's like, well, you're going to be in there. I'm like, what's an endoscopy? That's where they they go down your esophagus. And the same guy does it, apparently. 
So I asked the doc, I said, should I get an endoscopy? He says, well, you know, why not? I guess. I mean, you don't need one. I'm not, I'm not referring you for one. You do you have uh, uh, acid reflux. I'm like, no. He says, like, do you have anything wrong with him? I'm like, no. He said, look, it can't hurt. It can't hurt. And I'm like, all right, so can, let's do the endoscopy. And then he literally turns to the nurse who's just outside of the, the curtain area. He goes, all right, we're changing this to a double. We're doing a double. I like that these are like you know, sort of for invoice items. It's not a single anymore. It's not It's not just a, the bottom end. We're going in both ends. Double penetration on this one. Going to have to give you, you know, afterwards you're going to have to kick the uh, anesthesiologist another 50 bucks. I'm like, fine, <laughs> let's do it. So then I go in, they roll me into where the surgery is going to take place or the, so the procedure. And they're playing the Eagles. They're playing the fucking Eagles. Peaceful, easy feeling. And I'm like, oh, this is the thing. This is what they do. So the doc comes in, the anesthesiologist is getting me loaded up because he didn't know it was a double. So they just uh, sort of, they put the, the he was just going to put a mask on me, but then they're like, we're doing a double. And so they had to put the thing in my mouth so they could run the fucking tube down. And they got me hooked up on the IV. And the doc is like, you ready for a peaceful, easy feeling? I'm like, yeah, man, I am. And then he turns to the anesthesiologist, like, we're going to get him into it. We're going to give him a peaceful, easy feeling. Anesthesiologist is like, yep, peaceful, easy feeling. I'm like, this is a great show, fellas. I'm, I'm happy. He's like, can you turn to the side? Oh, see, this is where the show gets a little dicey. This is where it gets a little more involved. Turn over on your side. Good. And then the doctor comes around. He's looking at me. He says, like, all right, the... Uh, the anesthesiologist just hooked you up to the drug. I guess it's propanol. He's like, anything? And I'm like, no, not yet. And I'm just, and the doctor's like, all right, well, this is going to, everything's going to be fine and we'll see what's up. And I'm like, and all of a sudden I felt it. I'm like, oh man, it's coming on. It's, oh man. Next thing I know, I hear, Mark, wake up. Mark, wake up. I open my eyes to the anesthesiologist. I'm like, hey. He's like, hey. I'm like, are we done? How'd it go? How long was I out? What happened? What's what happened in here? How many people were watching? I hope it was just that one lady. I only I only said yes about one lady. And I'm coming out of it, and the doc comes around. And he's like, "How you feeling?" I'm like, "I'm fine." And he's like, "What's up?" He's like, "Well, here's some pictures. Looks good. Esophagus looks great. Uh, colon looks good. Except we had a little benign polyp here. Took care of it." I'm like, "Nice." So that she got to really learn something today. They just, they just took it off. So one polyp removed, no badness. Everything's clean and good. Five years I'm good for. Esophagus looks good. I'm loopy as fuck. My buddy Jerry Stahl picks me up. I got a freebie, man. I'm loopy. We're in Beverly Hills. And I'm like, let's go to the butcher's daughter and just eat some vegan food. So I'm off to a good start for my clean colon. And I'm buzzed on propofol, which is very good. I'm with it enough to eat and order and talk. I feel good. I feel all right. I'm engaged in the world. And we had this huge meal because I hadn't eaten a day and a half. And we're in Beverly Hills. And I believe I hallucinated that we went into the John Varvato store and I bought a suit with a jacket that was a Nehru collared jacket, a Nehru jacket, and a pair of velvet pants. I Wild, right? That I, I thought I was normal but I guess I was still kind of high on the propofol because I, I hallucinated that I bought a Nehru jacket 
a suit, and a pair of uh, velvet pants. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then I got home. Jerry dropped me off, and I'm getting out of the car. He's gonna. He said, "You know, do you want? Don't forget your bags of." And I'm like, "What?" And I had bought a uh, suit with a neighbor jacket and a pair of uh, velvet pants. Yeah, I'm a 59 year old man that you will see in the in the probably near future somewhere in public uh, wearing a pair of uh, velvet pants. Full circle. I wore leather pants and a velvet neighbor jacket on Conan a long time ago. And I think I'm going to wear a non-velvet neighbor jacket and perhaps some velvet pants on uh, Fallon next month. So look out for that stuff. I did that. It was not a hallucination, but that, that propofol is pretty good. Made me believe I could wear velvet pants, you know? All right. That all happened. And also, by the way, get your... Uh, Get your colonoscopies, get your endoscopies, get your stress tests, fellas, ladies, but I'm, um, you know, speaking, get your prostate exam. Just, just do it, man. All right. Help me out. Help yourself out. So look, Brendan Fraser and I had an intense conversation. Uh, it's heavy, man, but it was good. Again, he is, um, in the whale and that's now playing in theaters, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor. And also, I should tell you that we talk about Brendan alleging that he was sexually assaulted by the former president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, Philip Burke, who has denied the allegation. But we, we talk about it. So that's a heads up for a few reasons. But now you know it's coming. This is me uh, talking to Brendan Fraser. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. On the award. Thank you. Awards. Award. One now. One. It's the first, yeah. the first for me. The, the Critics' Choice? Well, I've never really waited to hear if or not my name's going to be called aloud yeah. from a podium. So, I mean... You've never... Oh, oh that's interesting, though, uh, way to look at it. You've never been in a room where you're waiting for that. Correct. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, unless I was there with the, you know, on some yeah. ensemble yeah. or... Right. Which, actually, I was never on stage for, uh -huh. for the couple of occasions that, yeah. that happened. Oh, really? I so was working somewhere else and the award ceremony happened. But I think that was for... Crash. Oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. SAG Award, and I think a Critics' right. Choice also. That was a big ensemble. Large. Yeah. And a lot of you guys didn't even work with each other. It was a, no, yeah, yeah. It was one of the sort of 
I don't know if it's a Rashomon story, you know, but I mean, it's it's um, a thread through lives. Yeah, right. It's um, you know, it it follows a thread. Yeah, I um, yeah, I remember liking that movie. I don't know if I can remember the movie specifically. Mm. I have a hard time with that as I get older. It's like, oh, I feel you. <laughs> I do. I have a hard time with just vocabulary, too. Oh, yeah. Words leave. It's the worst. You mean like sentences or words? Words for me, not sentences. Yeah, words. Yeah, where you just sit there and you're like, fuck. I know. I, I know this, but <laughs> yeah. why am I not Yeah, it's uh, summoning? And it, like my dad started this sort of dementia process. So now because I'm 59, oh. you know, you get, you know, when that happens, you're like, oh, no. Is it happening? Is this it? <laughs> Yeah. Is this the beginning? <laughs> but uh, but I'm okay so far. How are how are your hinges and joints holding up? Mine are a little bit janky. Bad, dude. Yeah. Like every day. I don't. Uh, and the, plus the weather makes them worse. It's I like guess a so. Joke and all like oh you know it's gonna rain my knee hurts but no you know what it really does I was just what, rubbing my knee really hard in the car on the way over here. Does that is that what because I've heard that and I just I I didn't know if there was credence to it. Bariatric bariatric barometric pressure really or something. That uh, makes it a, sense. It was a slip, bariatric. bariatric. <laughs> it's a word that's been on my mind lately. <laughs> it's different. No, I'm, I was talking about that yesterday, though. Like, I because I try to exercise, yeah. and uh, because I'm 59, yeah. uh, I'm sore every day, yeah. every fucking day. I know. You? Um, I'm okay. I was in a lot of pain for some time, but I took care of it. It was all surgical fixes and a lot of um, therapy. Yeah. You know, like you kind of like name a favorite modality of how to do physical therapy and i probably know You've something something about it if i didn't do it myself when did you start injuring yourself movies yeah and just growing older too right but all that because of the injuries that they, that means they're going to kind of hurt sometimes um well if you take care i i mean i took care of it in my 40s yeah. primarily and the you know all the doctors and advisors and whatever they were like you know Normally, this is something that you would do when you're in your 60s yeah. or up. But right. you can do it now if you must. Right. But it's good to preemptively get yeah. it out of the way because it's harder to bounce back from when you are older. Oh, so you. I mean, it's possible for sure. Like, there are sure. 80 year olds who get hip and knee replacements right. all the time. They yeah. go bowling, playing golf, sure. and all that. Oh, so you had to get all that stuff done. Um, well, it was just relative to injuring yourself on sets, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I was very good at packing up um, my knees and yeah you know with straps and tape and all that stuff that like i knew that one aisle in the cvs really well <laughs> yeah like oh the new wrist brace are out Wee. <laughs> yeah so what do you got knees and wrists no wrists are good wrists are good uh left knee partial replacement and here's my joke i couldn't afford the whole thing huh uh, yeah it's a good one yeah um yeah <laughs> it's a good one <laughs> um and uh the spine in one to three places is bolted together um, with hardware. And that was from an injury? Uh, yeah, well, yes. There, and that and I'm sure a genetic yeah. predisposition sure. for soft tissue right. issues grinding away. You know, yeah. It was pretty much just like the sort of bone on bone, if not the spine that had. Um, oh, man. Uh, uh, what's it called? Bone on bone's not good. No, it's noisy and and it hurts. Yeah, but and 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 running's hard because you have no um, real, you know, the spongy pads in between our joints right. which protect your shock absorbers really. So, there's, well, not to get have a medical conversation, but does that stuff just naturally start to go away no. with age? This I stuff? don't think so. Okay, good. I think it just compounds. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I went to the movie yesterday to the whale. Oh, and I I thought you were great, and uh, I liked the movie. 
I went in with no preconceptions. I had no idea what the story was. I didn't read any press on it. Good. So my experience was pretty pure, and uh, I was, you know, very affected, obviously. It, it's hard not to, you know, uh, be affected by the film. Uh, but what was interesting is that, you know, in retrospect, you know, having grown up as somebody who who is, you know, I have direct, I just realized this this morning, that I have direct personality repercussions from uh, a person affected by obesity. My mother was, uh, uh, had the issues when she was younger, and because of that, sort of uh, had a lifelong eating disorder oh. around it, uh, deprivation. Oh. And my emotional construct was built by somebody, you know, a- around food and mm. and the issue of obesity uh, in a very deep way. And I didn't I didn't put it together till today. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was the did the deprivation physically manifest into any other deprivation emotionally? Well, yeah, it's all. It, it, I, I mean, think, it's an it's permeating kind of. It is, and it disorder. was it was her. And is I mean still she's still around. It Good. defined her life, the sort of maintenance of a very sort of inappropriately low weight, oh. and uh, and it was how she judged the world and herself and me, and it's, uh, it's kind of like a ruler, to, yeah, to yeah. yardstick to the world, like kind of yeah, know. and and also like I don't you know it's all new to me as of this morning in terms of I and you just mentioning. Uh, the idea of emotional deprivation. I don't know. Wow, what kind of research did you do in terms of, because this is a movie about grief primarily, right? Redemption and love also. It's, yeah. five, it's five characters in a quest for salvation mm. in their own way. Okay. Did you, you know, feel that when you read it? Absolutely. I. Well, I, I'll get to that in a second, but I didn't know that much about, I, I like you, went yeah. into it kind of eyes wide open. Right. I knew very little about it apart from like, you know, a log line that there's a man who's been, he's been overeating and it's harming him and yeah. he lives alone and he is having regrets for his life choices. Yeah. And in a sort of epiphany, he finally owns that if he doesn't reconnect with his daughter, his, you know, his very soul is at stake right. for or is it, or is it not? But he's conflicted about that, and yeah. he makes him infinitely human, which I liked. And, yeah. And um, he's a guy that's flawed. He's funny. He's he's like some we all know. At least I'll speak for myself. But yeah. I know I've known many versions of Charlie. Right. I've had them as mentors. Sure. I've had them as friends, a family member. Yes. Yeah. And people I've met for sure, worked with people I've you know come and gone and loved and admired. But he, Charlie's a. <laughs> Charlie is a. I'm sorry, I'm looking at your your harmonica. It says Charlie, Charlie Musselwhite. Musselwhite. <laughs> yeah, he gave me that. That's cool. Um, yeah. Speaking of Charlie's. Yeah. Um, so I felt yeah. like I was familiar coming to the project with those sensibilities in mind. And but you're, I didn't. I failed to mention also that he also has on paper at least five days to do this. I mean, he doesn't know it yet, but his right. time, the clock is ticking for him, given so how, that, how poor he is in health. When you talked to Darren, that was a conversation. Yeah, um, that you know that this time limit was finite. Yes, it wasn't like there was a ticking clock. Right, or, you yeah. know the fuse wasn't lit per se. But I mean, it's obvious with Charlie's mobility issues, sure. his clear 
cardiovascular yeah. health severely compromised. Sure. And the act of breathing and ambulation is in this extreme for him yeah. to just take to his feet requires almost like a you know deadlifter right uh, yeah and mentality for how heavy his body is you played that very well thanks did you have actual weight on you i know these are probably questions you've answered a lot um no i'll do my best um wait oh you mean like insofar yeah. as all the costume yeah. and apparatus it was cumbersome yes I but mean, but was it you know was it loaded up no it wasn't uh, overdone but when we rehearsed i would wear weight vest and right you know like one of those workout things that right the big muscle guys yeah. run upstairs and all that and, yeah and ankle and uh wrist well i think the amazing uh, uh uh accomplishment of the performance and and the writing is that in thinking about it the day after they those issues are right up front. I mean, it is on some level, you know, what you see. But, you know, fairly quickly, you do see this guy as a guy mm-hmm. and a guy, you know, with a, a, a broad emotional range and obviously deep problems. But, it, you know, it, it counteracts what, you know, could be seen as, you know, the hardships and the horror of the life he's living. Yes. Because I didn't find it. And I'm a guy that's, you know, was brought up by a woman who was terrified of uh, of weight, mm. and I didn't. I, I it, it very quickly. It it became a secondary thing to the emotional uh, weight of yeah. the story, and that is a testament to you. Oh, thank you. Do you know what I'm saying? Um. Well, I I do. I understand that. This is you know. I think I can explain how you understand. If Charlie is a product of his disorder yeah it's not necessarily obesity i of the view that it's more of he wears on his body the trauma that he has been consuming and keeping inside of him and it's manifest right outwardly on him so i mean it's clearly he's in a lot of pain to talk about it yeah for how he he presents to the world and you know how encumbered he is yeah, I. Uh, I mean, his body weight is indicative of the issues that he has accompanying the yeah. physical and the spiritual soul. Um, his cro- psychological it, 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 issues. His cross to bear to a degree. Just as big. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because there, I, there is all those those themes. You know. Samantha Morton made a point in London on yeah. a press thing. She said he's like Jesus. Yeah. He just keeps taking it and taking it and taking it. I don't know how Christians will feel about that, but right. uh, I hope not. That scene with you and her was kind of amazing. I'm with, uh, I feel Samantha disappointed Morton. that that it didn't work out in our imaginary marriage, you know, because of how good Samantha is. She, it was like stunning. It was a, you know, she arrived with like a four, 40 year relationship in place. Yeah. For the two of them, 35, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like the conflict emotionally for her and you in that moment. Uh, She laments what could have been. Yeah. And she doesn't take ownership of her own, I don't want to say avarice, but yeah. her, her own—well, clearly her own issues with alcohol. Sure. So that intimates that she was obviously—I don't know—that's a whole other kettle of fish. That that was one of the issues why they didn't stay together early on H- had to factor in some way or another. So, yeah, it's complicated around the issues of uh, addiction yeah. and uh, um, sexuality. Also, a type uh, yeah. of addiction. Yeah, uh, but also just like you know, following your heart. You know. I mean, because you're carrying the burden of shame, of uh, 
of uh, grief, guilt, gr- a broken heart, guilt, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, did you see it on stage? I did not. No, I I did not. I didn't. I, I'm. Where did it play? Did it have it, a run? Did it have a life? <laughs> Absolutely. This yeah. is an award winning play. It ran at New Horizons in 2010. Uh-huh. I want to say that's when Darren saw it actually yeah. in a you know an off Broadway production and. You know, the rest is what he says. He was very yeah. moved by it, and he contacted Samuel Hunter, and they started working on bringing it to the screen. He's an interesting director, man. You know, like, his last movie is sort of making the book of Genesis intimate, yeah. and now he's... <laughs> that was a tough watch. Uh, right? For, well, anybody. But. Yeah. So, when you get offered something like this, I mean, how much of your own experience are you processing you know, oh, in this character. I don't have the lived experience of being a man uh, whose obviously. body weighs hundreds and hundreds of pounds, right. mind you, but I don't think you need to be that guy. The best that I could do was meet him halfway or sure. as close to it as yeah. I could. So my own body was easily the heaviest it's ever been in my life. Yeah. And to, you know, I, whether I knowingly or not, have that be how you inform a performance because I mean, you you live in your own body, so sure. how do you know what heavy versus not heavy feels like yeah. when you're living that way? I mean, right. Maybe you notice it right. when there's less weight, or maybe you notice it when there's more weight, but when you're living in it, you're just who you are. Sure. But I needed to look at myself as if I was a costume in and of itself, the same way I looked at myself as if I was a costume when I was swinging around on vines in yeah. a loincloth and smashing into trees. Right. You know that wardrobe was there was none basically but that was the job that's who that guy was um charlie is um he is as he he presents a very large man and um to create that that was the conversation that i had very candidly have with with darren yeah who had a plan in place which is to use prosthetics yeah to create charlie as you would do you know, it's a character makeup sure. that Adrian yeah. Moreau did, but it's not a creature. It's not yeah. a, you know, an alien or something like that, whatever. Right. But it's the same approach. Right. You know, in creating, I mean, it could have been painted blue, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it would be- a, In terms would, of costume. Yeah, it'd be a makeup and, and costume. Makeup, right. But for Charlie, it was the same approach. But but for you, I mean, like, there, there's something struck me when I was thinking about it this morning is, you know, time passing that- you know, when his daughter finally does show up, mm. that there is a sense that in her mind, she missed his whole life. And in your mind, you've held on to this relationship mm-hmm. uh, through that piece of writing and, and yeah. through what could have been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and during that time, he has, you know, let himself go. But like, I, I, I was just wondering. He might also be harming himself intentionally instead of just being neglectful with his health and overeating, you know. Right. No, definitely. Yeah. It's like a, a, a leaving Las Vegas for food. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of the same thing. Totally. You know, unless it's gambling or sex or, sure. you know, pick your favorite vice. It's still sure. the same dopamine right. cycle receptor that goes along with it. And I, I, mean, I mean, anybody listening, I'm no shrink, but I've spoken to a couple of them. They're like, yep, same thing. You, know? you talk to people yeah. in, in doing your research? I spoke to people with eating eating disorder specialists. I oh, talked yeah? to people with eating disorders. I spoke to people who are bedridden, whose body, one body's weighed upwards of 500 pounds. Um, oh, my God. I know. And I couldn't be, couldn't be more forthcoming and open-hearted to tell me answer the very, you know, it's almost <laughs> ignorant question of mine, 
playing amateur interviewer yeah. on a Zoom call before we started, going like, well, you know, how did it, how did it, what happened? And, yeah. And, and I noticed that among the eight or 10 people I spoke to, yeah. one common thread that they had was that there was someone early in their lives, most often an adult. Yeah. And, you know, heartbreakingly to me is their father yeah. who spoke to them in a way that was recriminating or as we say, othering, you know, making them basically just being a dick. You don't, you don't say things to a child to shatter their confidence or shaming them. Yes. You, it, without, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. But, but is that in a general sense or around weight? In this case, it would be about issues of weight, but that would, you know, that kind of attitude perpetuates itself and it leads into all sorts of other areas. Yeah. And those are, the, you know, the very complicated lives that their paths take. Um, and the people who I spoke to let me know that, yes, they were medicating with food, self-medicating right. sure. with food. They were um, trying to fill a void. Sure. Um, they, some people are just, it's a sensory issue. My, my oldest son is autistic. Yeah. And he's a big kid. He's like six foot. Five and a half. He's got like size fifteen feet. And he's the sweetest boy. Yeah, he's twenty now. Um, and he's a big boy. And you know, you try and tell a kid on the spectrum you can't eat this when you're just trying to get them to eat something. Some right. days, yeah, you you roll over quick. Yeah, you do because you know, and then they want to eat it because it's tasty and all because it's made to be because that's the American sure. fast food diet processed, yeah. mass produced, easily digestible, high right. sugar, empty yeah. calorie, yeah. salty, fatty. I mean, there are scientists who craft these flavors sure. so that they target the consumer, the human tongue yeah. in a way that's like they truth, need it. truth in advertising. You yeah. can't just have one. Right. You need the whole damn box, if sure. not the shelf. Yeah. And that's what happens. And this has been going on for over 100 years, yeah. really. And in talking to these uh, individuals, outside of um, abusive adults, is there usually a, a history of other trauma? Yes. I mean, I didn't get into those areas that they were uncomfortable with, but right. I think we can all attest that there are overlaps in those kinds yeah. of issues. Trauma reaction. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't know how to answer that one, but I think that they're very interrelated. Yeah, because, like, it's interesting in the movie that, uh, you know, the, the the story unfolds in the in the second or the, the third, the uh, last third of the movie, you know, pieces fall into place to that sort of define some of your character's emotional and behavior and and. and mm -hmm. what, because it was, it's a very. I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody, but you know, it, it, it's a very specific reaction to somebody dying in a certain way. Yeah. But but it seems like the issues were there previous. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. And you you don't know what happens after whatever happens at the end of this movie, no, man. It's not important. It's not important. Uh, and and there I don't even know if you would say. It's hopeful, but it, it does release you. It does. It does. For all the screenings I've attended with yeah. a question-answer period afterwards, I mean, it's almost like a trope in Hollywood. Like, oh, my God, there were tears in everyone's yeah, eyes, sure. blah, blah, blah. But seriously, people stay rooted to the spot, even if the credits have rolled. Oh, yeah. Some clap, some sob and hold each other. I know the first time I saw this movie, and I'm in it, I, I, was, I, I had to seriously— um, move the chess pieces around on the board and, yeah. and then throw the board out and go, I got to think about this some more. I definitely had to, I had a feeling of 
I just I felt like you really need to gather yourself after this. And for reasons you might not even know why, and maybe it's not that important. Oh, for sure. It, it is, if I, I was just saying, if I, you know, if I do come out to an audience who has seen it, the first thing I, you know, I would joke about is like, is everybody okay? And they go, yeah. ha ha ha. But you know, seriously, some people are triggered by what goes on and, and, you know, it's an emotional body blow for, for many people, but it's also a catharsis that I think is, I don't know, I, I haven't seen it in cinema yeah, for a long time, and I'm I'm. Scr- I mean, help me out here. I'm scratching my head, like, what? Steel magnolias? When did people really, for whatever be, reasons, be, have that become collective? Yeah. Well, I mean, this one's so complicated because you know it's not like just someone you know like uh, dying of cancer. Correct. It's not terms of endearment. You know, it's 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 an aggravated and you know painful process of 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 self-annihilation and, yeah. and, and, and grief. I mean, there, there seems to be a lot of grief in the air, generally speaking, right now. Yeah. You know, after COVID and yeah. after, you know, whatever we went through as a country and a world and what we are going through, you know, the world is dying. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, there's no way to, to after a certain point, uh, avoid that reality. So I think grief in and of itself, whether you know, however it's it's grounded in whatever character or situation, you know, is speaking to the human spirit right now, right? right? So I, I mean, when you say triggered, like because like me, you know, I would be somebody who is you know severely triggered by by food issues, but but that's not that that is not what what got me emotionally. You know, what got me emotionally was was just that need uh, for redemption. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and also the fact that um, he, out of his shame, thought that he deserved what was happening to him. And I think that people struggle with their secrets and with their, you know, their un, unprocessed grief and with their their own shame about how they behaved Every day. So the mm-hmm. spectrum of triggers, you know, is is something. So, you know, it's hard to know coming out of that what would cause anybody, you know, to react to it. But it is a human existentially true um, reaction. Speaking of existentialism, yeah. we all lived under that clearly with COVID. Yeah. Will there be a tomorrow or right. next week? We seriously, I don't know you, but seriously, we didn't know. We were scared, fear, blah, blah. I mean— were you shooting during that? Yeah, this oh. was a COVID film. Oh, so you, you know, you, oh my God. So on yeah. top of the prosthetic, yeah. you had to mask up and visor up. I and... couldn't. Everybody else did, but I couldn't. But oh, okay. some, I won't say it's fortunate, but I guess I was pre-disaster because I got it like that January, February. Before oh, you did? We, yeah. yeah, I did. That was before my... the vaccine? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. How sick did you get? I, I lost smell, taste. I had serious brain fog. And did I, it come back? Uh, yeah, I've got it several times since then. Actually, I'm holding up four fingers. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Like, uh, well, you got your smell back. Yeah, that came back. Oh, that good. was. I mean, sriracha sauce might as well have been fucking toothpaste <laughs> at one point. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I told a doctor about. She's like, yep. There's so much we don't know about this. That's neurology for you, right? Right. Uh, and you feel all right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was really tremendous work, and I and I guess the thing that I got hung up on in in you know knowing I was going to talk to you about time and about you know how time you know gets away from us, you know, and and when like when Samantha Morton comes in after not having seen you or the shape you're in, and it's just you know whatever emotion she was bringing in terms of her anger 
just kind of, you know, went away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting choked up just thinking about the movie. Easy, man. It's okay. So I in 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 looking at your career, I mean, did you have you felt I mean, like I know that you know, you never stopped working. Hmm. But did you feel like time, you know, coming into this movie and certainly doing this kind of work and now getting the reaction you're getting, does it feel like you've lost uh, years, you know, in terms of, of, of you know, how you a- approach work or, or the work you've been doing? Um, I don't know. It's a weird okay, question. No, I think um, I don't feel like I lost years. I, no, I've good. always kept myself busy, no matter what, okay. and whether I was away from everything, yeah. or, or philosophically, it was away from me. Right, is an open question. And but we all know that Hollywood's always been a heat-seeking missile. Yeah, and if you're out of mind, you're out of sight. You're out of mind. Right, it's just a fact. And and all careers go dip, no, da da da. But I, you can't be on all the time. Sure. And for for me, my life, I, the the interim that I needed to take was very helpful in bringing me to where I am and who I am now, which yeah. is a more confident version and a less um, anxious version of who I was. Yeah. For having gone through all of that, I mean, all of the I'll call it the positive response to this right now. I don't know if I could have handled it back in the day when. Um, Interesting. No, I, I just I'm I'm glad I wasn't given everything all at once. Yeah, I I, I I didn't have the emotional male toolbox to deal with that. If I think about the younger yeah. version of myself, sure. I mean, you know. I I think about that. Yeah, I I mean, I I was chaotic, but you know, I don't know that I could have handled you know anything. And and it is sort of, it's nice to be able to go to a job knowing that you're ready to do it. Yes. That and in this case, that we were going to be very good at it too. For this reason, it sounds fundamental, but we rehearsed. Yeah, for three weeks. When do you ever get as much rehearsal time for a Broadway production to put on a movie? Never. In Never. terms, oh, in terms of movement and everything. Whole stage. We had a taped out one to one mock up um, that we rehearsed in a. Oh, it does stay in one place, doesn't it? Really, it's one room with two bedroom apartment in anywhere Idaho. Yeah, on the second floor. Where it always rains. Wherever it was, it's raining all the time. It's a story that plays out behind closed doors all across the country, the continent, and world. Correct. I just, I know it's like. But the, we don't know that much about it because we don't know what goes on behind those doors until this film says, hey, here's an invitation to come in. Maybe people will look at that invitation, furrow their brow, and say, no, not for me. And that's fine. They'll turn on their heel and walk away or disparage it, kind of like the pizza guy. Yeah. And the world's filled with pizza guys. The world is the pizza guy. Yeah. The audience. I, you know, let me yeah, in. Yeah. I want to see you. I deserve to see you. Yeah. What's going on there? I am curious. I want to know because I'm entitled to know, yeah. you know. None of your business feels Charlie. And till he's tricked and lured out to go and basically prove himself by exposing himself. And then what happens? He's judged automatically and condemned as basically just vile and disgusting and turned on his heel you know the world turns on its heel and stomps off into the rainy night and that's the pizza guy and it's devastating and also the daughter with the phone yes devastating also huh um so when you started i mean you're you're canadian 
Yeah. I, I'm a Canadian born abroad, so I have dual heritage. Right. I was but, born in the U.S., but my parents are Canadian. Do they live in Canada? No, my mom's deceased, and my father hasn't lived in Canada since the late... I mean, everyone, our family hasn't lived in Canada since the 70s. It's but. so weird. I never understand that, because, like, I'm dying to go to Canada. I'm ready. <laughs> You've not been? No, I go all the time, oh, okay. but I'm ready to leave. I'm ready oh, to leave. Oh, I get there. it. Do you feel better when you go to Canada? I know. I do. I feel I relaxed. Feel different. I do. I feel there's an anxiety that's gone, and somehow yeah. the, the air feels... I don't know, not smells better, but it just feels better to breathe. Like you know? immediately, dude. Like when I get out the airport, exactly. in the airport. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's not here. Agreed. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know. So why wouldn't you want to be in that? I know. <laughs> I do. Fuck it. Let's get out of here. No, yeah, I'm ready. Montreal is calling, brother. They've I got a team there for everyone. Dude, I, I, I've applied for permanent residency. Seriously. But good yeah. for you. But you have a dual citizenship. I would definitely be. I, it's, it's in the plan for the future. Yeah. I'm looking forward to my fantasy of getting a two-bedroom apartment yeah. in the East Village in New York. I'm like, screw that. I'm going yeah. to Montreal. You yeah, know? Montreal, anywhere. <laughs> Even Toronto or Vancouver. Beautiful. Good. Really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm up there all the time. Do you have family up there still? In Vancouver? Yeah. I have extended family in Saskatoon and... And that is that, a, is that Northeast? Saskatoon? Where's Saskatoon? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. Where is that? In well, right geographically? Smack Dillon, in the middle? Above Montana. Basically, oh, right. Montana okay. North. It's okay. full of cowboys, pretty much. It's a prairie, but it's just, it's very. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've been there. Is I, I, I don't know if I've been to a. I should learn the geography if I'm really serious about it. I might <laughs> have to a, take a test. It's part of being American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, but I've been to, I've been to, you know, Calgary, Victoria, also Vancouver. Also very cowboy. Calgary. Yeah, very cowboy. Very cowboy. They're good at it. Been to Winnipeg, Montreal. Yeah. I haven't been up to the Northeast, I don't think. But that's where my family hail from um, in CBI um, and Nova Scotia. Uh-huh. I just did um, the Ancestry show. Um, Finding Your Roots? Yeah. Oh, with, I did that. With, with, with Skip? Oh, no. With yeah, with Skip. Yeah. With I Skip, just did with, Before Christmas. It's and amazing, right? Eye-opening, to say the least. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. What'd you learn? I learned that my great-great-great-great-grandfather, paternal uh-huh. grandfather, as a nine-year-old boy— escaped the potato famine with his mother on a rusty bucket of a boat and came across the Atlantic to Nova Scotia. Come on. How a nine-year-old boy is, if he hadn't made that journey, hi, no me. Yeah. How is that? How does Skip find that shit, man? I kind of don't want to ask. Like, it's crazy, just, dude. You do your voodoo, but I, I, it's all backed up with fact. He know? tracked mine. They tracked mine back further back than they ever have, uh, uh, you know, Ashkenazi Jew into Palace Settlement because all those records are There's gone. There, yeah, there is no. That's what Darren said. He's right. like, yeah, no, the records are gone. It'd right. Like, he's like, I told him I was going to do this. He's like, well, enjoy it because I don't know anything. Yeah. Well, they got pretty far back with my wow. dad's line, like six generations into uh, Belarus in that area. It's crazy. It's crazy. The names are crazy. The uh, it's it's all pretty much it's crazy, and I I found it to be um, like I have to go take it in. I have to go look at the book. Yeah. Did you get your book not yet? yet? No. No. I yet. mean, like he gave me the documentation. Well, what, when you're in it, you're just sort of like what what, and you're kind of going through the show. But like, I really need to go look at the book. I do too. What I, what like what else did you find out? Um, there was a candy salesman. Okay. In, I want to say, get this right, in Brooklyn, I uh-huh. think, um, like a wholesale candy salesman. Um, th- several generations back in Germany, I'm descendants of vintners. There's still wine country there that huh. was planted. Wow. You got good co- a good, uh, good bunch of stuff. Um, my uh, great-great-grandfather was an 
artillery soldier for the Kaiser who saw action, was decorated. And World then, War One. One, and yeah. he then went on. He survived that meat grinder and went and landed with his his wife and little boy, uh-huh. who, uh, his son, who was my great great grandfather, um, and uh, became. Um, a miner and did the ex- did explosives underground because he was good at blowing shit up, uh-huh. and so he went and you know broke up the coal. They were all and they were miners, a lot of miners uh, out really? of Pennsylvania. No kidding, that's a tough no. gig, man. I, I think about it. I mean, I was once in a mine in Louisiana. It was an old salt mine, and they go there and they scrape the stuff up, and it's like being inside of a dark, evil cathedral that's been turned inside out. It's were you there to shoot? No, I was visiting with a friend. Huh? It's it's. It's on Avery Island in Louisiana. It's an incredible place. And wow. That's where they make Tabasco sauce. And okay. that would have been the salt from back in the day. Because uh-huh. it's just, you know, a mineral in the earth. Yeah. But now it's, I'm told, it's the salt that's used on roads and stuff like that. Oh, that they it, get out of the hole? Yeah, on the world market. Like, I don't know if they, they don't get the salt for... Were you there as a Tabasco tourist? I, in a way, I was, <laughs> yes. I took a tour of the plant. It was incredible. <laughs> I loved doing that. I loved it. It was so great. The well, second you walk into the plant, there are these giant vats of just chili, vinegar, and salt. That's and, it. And the man who's walking you through is just a, like bread-in-the-bone Cajun. He's yeah, got yeah. like a, a beard, and he's got like a beard cover on his on his beard. Like, uh-huh. And then he's got a hat, a head, net, head net on like uh-huh. everybody has to wear. Uh-huh. And... Um, it, you, the second you open the doors and walk in there, it's like getting a mustard gas attack. You know, it's like, oh, the se- assault to the eyes and nose and senses and everything just because it's Tabasco yeah, sauce. sure. You know, airborne. And, I, and me and my friend were like, going, oh, ah, wow, that stings. And the guy's like breathing through his nose deep going, no, I don't, I don't smell nothing. You know, and if you look really closely, you can see he somehow adapted a natural filtration system because his nostril hairs were so huge. Like, he's like, you filtering out all the, all the you know, gas attack. Oh, wow. I wonder if that happened over years. Like, I wonder if it's an actual adaptation. Yeah. To protect himself. That's exciting, man. I like to, I think I've been to, I went to the Ben and Jerry factory once in Vermont. Not as historical or exciting as Tabasco. Still fun. But sure, man. Ice cream's great. But that's, but Tabasco seems like this, uh, this great American factory that's been, a company that's it's been still around forever. A family business, did you know? Like, yeah, and they don't. They still do the same thing, but they've added some flavors. Yes, they've yeah. got the chipotle one yeah. and the green one. The green one's good. That's the green one's good. Yeah, Dang. I still use Tabasco. You know, given the sort of the the spectrum of available hot sauces, you know Tabasco really is very specific. Here's a real hot tip: if you're gonna get uh, those little itty bitty cute bottles, I love those. Of Tabasco, yeah. Yeah. Bring, bring them on the airplane. Sure, man. Because it's the right I'll size. Can, and I think you the can bring is a, really one, boring and bland, and you're like, throw it oh. on there. Well, you can also, I, I think that the the first size is not, I think you could, that's probably less than four ounces for the airplane if you really want to You care. probably could. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun, fun, just whip I, out a little tiny bottle. And oh, can yeah. I say also, I learned that those little tiny bottles yeah. are um, in their plant. They have uh, a whole chapter, a whole chapter, a whole yeah. area uh-huh. where the labels that are printed yeah. on those itty bitty bottles yeah. are done by special needs kids and their families in particular. Like they give jobs, oh, vo- wow. vocations uh-huh. to, I think they call it their angels program. Oh, I want to get this right. Just but, to, to make the little labels? To, yeah. And you can, you know, print them up for a 
wedding or something like sure, that or sure. whatever, put your own name and number on as your business card. Oh, but, oh, oh I see. Yeah, but yeah, everyone, yeah. but all, all the young people and all the, you know, young adults who work there all have spectrum disorders yeah, or yeah. They're somehow, as I say, they've been touched. And mm. so they take care of them by oh, giving nice. them a job, giving yeah. them a vocation. You yeah. know, it, it, and they're so proud of what they do. That's nice. They love what they do yeah. working on that assembly line. That's nice. It's really, really sweet. It's nice when uh, companies do the right thing. Yeah. So... Have you tried? I, I've recently started using Louisiana hot sauce. You ever use that? Oh, that's the red and yellow, yeah. the yellow label red one. Yeah. I would see those on crafty tables all the time. Yeah, I like them. I would work in Louisiana. You know, you work in yeah. Baton Rouge or. It's a different flavor, but it's, yeah. a, it's the same ingredients, but it's a little thicker. It's yeah. salt, chili, yeah. vinegar. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Basically. So you've got a bunch of siblings, right? Three older brothers. How are they doing? Oh, good. Um, my oldest brother is uh, a grandfather several times over. My other brother is um, my middle brother. My little two brothers are um, he. One of them worked for I want to say it was Boeing up until pandemic hit, and then everybody up kinda, in Seattle. Yeah, but then everybody kind of hit the road with their laptops. Yeah, uh, I have another brother. I don't talk about him that much, but um, yeah, I hope he's well. Okay, and you got three kids. Yes, I. And do. they're all good. Yeah, my my like I said, my oldest son Griffin, he's he's the reason really why I wanted to be Charlie, and he's the reason why I could do any of this stuff. Well, they all are really, yeah, but that's because I passed through the threshold of I'm doing my professional aspirations and all that for my own selfish needs. And once you have a couple of kids or a kid, or it, so a switch flipped in my head and maybe others have had this experience too. But then suddenly I know, oh, this is why I've been chasing my ass around all my life, you know, and I wasn't getting fulfillment from something I thought was a very good accomplishment or others perceive that to be yeah. because I, I, I was doing it for myself. But once you start doing that, you said the reason why is on behalf of them. And the reason why you can do it is because of them. I, I could only play this role of Charlie because he's a man who feels love deeply and in a way that is in I, I the way I of course everyone feels for their kids. I mean the thought that that they could be my own children yeah. could be abandoned in a way that Charlie is perceptively did the same thing when he left his marriage mm. to be with a, a new partner whom he had fallen wholeheartedly in love with, but it completely shattered the whole ecology of his life to make it take that different path. And he just wasn't aware of the fallout that could ensue for having not have done that before. But he, again, has to pay the bill on that one. When she comes back into his his life and purview, or he tries to get her back into his life. And the thought of of that personally, doing that myself in the way that Charlie did, is so foreign to me that it breaks my heart um, to be put in that position. Yeah. Um, to think to be put in that position. Um, right, and if because you're experiencing, because you're an empathetic guy... You know, if you put yourself into that place, even as an actor, to think about 
you know, whether or not you know it in the moment of, or, or the month that you do it, you know, the heartbreak of it, uh, it's there, yes. right? The, from the action, you yeah. know, no matter how swept up you are, you know, uh, it's got to be there somewhere. Yeah, so I would imagine having the opposite experience, you know, w- with children and then really putting yourself into that place has got to be devastating. Well, it definitely informed yeah. how I could be able to do this and certainly the reason why I yeah. wanted wanted to do it. And did your kids see the movie? My sons did, yeah. Holden uh, and Leland did. Yeah, they saw it in Toronto. And I think, no, no, they said Toronto and also the, um, yeah, they came to the premiere in, at Lincoln Center. That, yeah. That was a milestone in life for me. Yeah. Um, What'd they think? They, they were, they were like every other audience member, <laughs> devastated. <laughs> yeah. They were giving me sort of a, on the one hand, like, who are you kind of look <laughs> at this, like, but I know you cause you're like my dad. But, right. Um. I think what it did was it actually brought us closer in a way that I wasn't able to appreciate until it happened because I started seeing them as more fully formed young men mm. than children mm. and and allowing them to see that vulnerability that I knew it would take to do this ser- the service it deserved on screen is a far removal from what I was all cop to trying to like get brownie points in the works that I was the work that I was doing to you know pander to my children i'll do an animal movie because i can take them with me and they you can, did a lot of those kind of movies I, yeah and they're great they're fun but you know popular movies for sure and yeah. for all the right reasons yeah. but you know it's a well that's interesting it's so a you, fast food commodity and again in its own way i and, get that but but like when they were young you were doing george and you were doing the uh, later not, mummies. they were not but then those movies were around you know they're sure the diet of pop culture for yeah, sure yeah. for families and kids and um, but you know, but they're my kids, so they're like largely unimpressed for sure. Like if the mummy was playing on a screen repeatedly somewhere in the house, oh, that's around, interesting. They got detachment from it. Uh, no, I mean, it'd just be like it, it plays seasonally, like Thanksgiving on sure. a loop or something like yeah. that. And maybe it was on. They'd walk past it and going like, like trying to like look, look, it's daddy. They'd be like, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah. nah, isn't you? Yeah, I've seen you in your underwear, kind yeah, of thing. Right, you know, right, and they sure. want to look at Power Rangers, sure. but and and it's funny to say that, but that I think it also let me know that I kind of need to get out of my own way and not try and like suck up to them by giving them, you know, eye, yeah. can, eye candy and, and, you know, earn brownie points that way. Right. But maybe that, you know, that's age appropriate. Sure. But to, to do work that welcomes them into that's more fully formed and emotional. It's probably something I wasn't capable of anyway. In that, at that well, no, wait, time, but it but. seems to me in just like the, the sort of small amount of, of, you know, overview that I kind of looked at that there was, you know, a point within, you know, a a few years there uh, after you had this. um, And I see Pauly Shore a lot, by the way. You do? How is he? He's okay. He's okay. He's out in Vegas now. You know, I work at his his mom's club a lot. Peter, her older son or or the middle son is kind of running the place and Pauly works there, but he he kind of got bought out and now he's in Vegas, yeah. you know, where he seems to be having a nice time Good and for him. running um, around with Nick Cage and you know, he's okay. He still performs he's still, a lot. He's he's still he's fantastic when he's on stage. He's the most uh like linear that I have ever heard. Like he knows what he's gonna be saying. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Well you and, know it's funny now is he's like he'll he'll do a few minutes talking about how a, a lot of people 
remember him as the wheeze. Of course. Right. But then like he pretty much does the wheeze. <laughs> he's still the wheeze. He's still the wheeze, he's dude. He's still the wheeze. Uh, never not going to be the wheeze. But he was always doing that. Bye, guys. Hey, bye. Movie. <laughs> yeah. I always felt like his older brother, like Polly. Sure. Like, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He kind of brings that out in you, right? Oh man. So, oh, but but it seems to me that that there was some sort of uh, you know major upheaval on a lot of different fronts for you, and I imagine that was sort of a a, a, a kind of strange baptism into adulthood emotionally. Wait, the between the divorce and and the you know the sexual assault and and uh, you know having that stuff. All happening at once or in, um, within years. It's um, look, it's not real easy to talk about, but I'll do my best. Yeah. if you want to. Um, no, it was not pleasant. Um, and it's, I guess, in, I mean, we all have issues, and in my sure. in our own way, I guess that was my turn to yeah. go through those ones. Um, and how you how you own it and deal with it after it's over is just can be just as challenging as it is whilst you're going through it yeah. and it ain't pleasant but it's life and um i i um i know that it's absolutely informed me to be the person i am yeah. now for not having had gone through it then um you know kind of like getting those knee and neck and back operations yeah kind of I don't know if I got it out of the way early, but I mean, I, 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 I went through those, those emotion, that emotional challenge relatively early in life. And I think I kind of, I don't want to say I got it out of the way, but I mean, I would want anyone to have to go through that kind of nonsense again in their life. Any of it. Heaven Divorce forbid. is horrible. Heaven and, forbid. Heaven forbid. And, and, but you, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it seems to me in my memory that, you know, when you were addressing being sexually assaulted, that. You, it makes you wonder how many men you know don't come forward. I think of that often about because of the shame. That and the response that men want to counsel other men who do come forward is to basically challenge their masculinity and say, "Why the fuck didn't you man up and deck the guy?" You know, right, that right. kind of attitude, oh, right. mm. which would completely um, <laughs> negate anything helpful. Right. You, 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 then, then you're dealing with an assault. Right. And that's a whole other A violent assault in reaction to, to a sexual yeah, assault. Yeah, so now we compare the two, like right. which, are the, which is the less reprehensible. Yeah. So no response is the best response, clearly, in that situation to mitigate the damage being done. But mm. if you respond that way, apart from protecting yourself yeah. in the immediate moment, which is human instinct, of course, yeah. Um, making um i'm sorry i'm a little jerry right now um that's all right i think what i'm just trying to say is um respond you know responding in that situation physically or something that wouldn't wouldn't help me at all but the ramification is well then you have to kind of just keep your mouth shut suck it up yeah yeah and you know, and then there's the accompanying shame feelings attached to that, and then feeling like you're complicit, even for um, whole, um, like keeping someone else's dirty little secret. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. 
Um, and then the fear of a bully in your life or a boogeyman kind of thing, which I hope we don't have, but we do. And it's... Um, of it being held over you. It's menacing. Yeah. It's menacing. And, and look, the f physical aspect of the incident compared to the feeling of powerlessness. Yeah. They're disparate, to say the least. Sure. It just, know, it there's, was, a, there's a moment of, you know, astonishment and revulsion yeah. compared to what the ramifications and the outcome of that is. Realizing this changes everything and uh, how do you take ownership of that or can you or what's going to happen and the accompanying feeling of um, shame or being attached to you in a way that, you know, it's something that you didn't ever ask for. You don't want to clearly who would, but, yeah. but it's, yeah, I, I find, my, I don't look, I mean, like <clears throat> I'm a man. I know I, 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 it, it made me among many things yeah. appreciate or feel more empathy for what, if you just flip the script or the genders, yeah. if I was a woman, mm. for instance, you know, what would happen afterwards? Or if that was a woman who, right. uh, the, what would that mean? Especially or, at that time. When was that? 2003? Three. Yeah. 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 Just a lot of uh, silence. A lot of the, um, um, a lot of, um, you know the uh, the accompanying recrimination that attaches to it. Like, don't talk about this. Yeah. Um, or else, whether it's implied or implicitly expressed, is there? And that, oh, that will affect your career. Clearly. Yeah. And then you know, the, while there may never be a way to prove anything like that, sure. No response is a response. For instance, in your life, if things go quiet, you do start wondering, well, why. Right. So you start thinking, well, am I not worthy enough? Am I not good enough? Did I do something wrong? Who did I annoy? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You personalize it. You make it a, uh, your, uh, then more shame, your fault. Well, I felt those ways for yeah. sure. I mean, I've worked through all this stuff, but. That's good. Thanks. Did, but, how long did it, did you come out immediately after it? Well, about well the, I spoke up yeah. when it happened. Right. It was witnessed too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was fallout. There sure. was. Um, press press inquiry from like the Times and you know again I was it it just it 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 put something in my purview that I didn't want that I did I, I didn't like, why did you do that I don't yeah. want this yeah and now I have to deal with it yeah. I don't want to have to deal with it like why'd you right. And now it's it's like it, it, and it, it it stays on you, like a feeling of Forever. if you were somewhere to splash a, I don't know, brandy with this invisible scarlet letter or something. Right, like everyone sure. knows. Right, um, and I guess what it, like I say, for you go through all of the firewall of what happened. Yeah, it brings you brought me to another place where I feel like well, um, now I know what my threshold is and I know um, what never to go back to and I can see a path forward.
Yeah. Which is the the medicine from the the poison of the whole situation. And it was, you know, to be clear, it was a groping incident, basically, right? Correct. Yeah. But the, but the the act of processing these things, and 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 I can see it still, you know, uh, her, you know, tremendous, you know, deeply emotional. But I I have to assume that, like you said before, that you know people go through traumatic stuff, difficult stuff, and and it seems that you know though you've worked through some of this stuff, I mean, it, it is you know, what it is, but you've had, you know, a, a satisfying and good life and you've been able to be, you know, to do the work you want to do. Yeah, and be thanks. A good father. Well, I appreciate that. But I'm, you know, I'm nobody's charity case. And I, of course you know, not. I'm, you know, I'm not saying you're thinking that. No, I not just, at all. But this is what I go on. This one oh. was on my head. Well, what I was thinking actually is that, you know, there is a, an actual redemption story in, in your life around this role. It's not a charity case, but I mean, that the last two roles you did, which I thought were great, you know, I saw Soderbergh's movie too because I talked to Thanks. him, and that was a great performance. Thanks. But, but in terms of you as an adult, you know, artist, that this is a redemptive story. You arriving at this role, that's that's what I see. There's a there's a there's a direct <laughs> connection to be made between the two paths. I see. Your, I take your point. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's just sort of amazing to me that, like, you know, I've been in and out of, of your work over the years, and, and, I, and I know you to do, you always sort of did, you know, big entertaining work for young people and then challenged yourself with more uh, compelling and, and uh, deeper adult roles. But it really seems that this, this thing is like, you know, you're not a guy that ever stopped working, and, and this, in terms of personal risk, and challenge as an artist is is like it, it was deep and crazy. The 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 adage from my training days uh -huh. in conservatory was go towards the fear, right? Take the creative risks. That's where the most growth and discovery can be found or will come from. And I don't believe you should take so many risks in your own life, but right. creatively, you yeah, did both. You did no, both physically it, no. and. <laughs> It's better to, I think now it's better to know. And and The Whale is, the very title of the film, yeah. is there to call out the prejudice of anyone who would think that's just a pejorative joke. What does that say about what you think? Yeah, You're taking the name of this movie to be an insult, basically a slur. Well, really? Maybe you should come and see the movie. Yeah. And then, by story's end, ask yourself how you felt before you walked in the door. Did you uphold any of those prejudices, any of that um, obesity and disparaging it in word and deed and all that in our culture, our society is like the last refuge of where bigots can act and speak freely. With this caveat that the terminology that's used is the vernacular mm. that can change. Mm. We're in a period now of world history where we're going down the checkbox and ticking things off. You just can't do any longer. Right. And think you can just skate. You yeah. can't. You'll get called out. Right. And with good reason. Yeah. I think that weight bias is among those because I know the damage that it does to people. I know that those little kids who got told that they were fat 
when they were small didn't deserve that yeah. because they grew up and it affected their very health. Yeah. It's, there's scientific proof right. in how our minds and bodies evolve that changes the outcome of who we become just based on how we speak to each other. Yeah. And we all know you don't tell a child that. Yeah. If you do, you're morally bankrupt in my right. view. But it can do real damage sure. by power of the word. I yeah. saw a plaque on a, a temple near a, outside of a, um, a giant Buddha in yeah. Thailand years ago. Yeah, and yeah. There was a plaque that read, painful indeed is vindictive speech. And it stayed with me. Yeah. And it's like something that you would say that's kind of obvious to one another, like be, be kind. Yeah. But that's more explicitly giving you a command and a real good tip on how to get through get through this life with patience and tolerance and dignity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those ideas, those themes all exist and live within the world of this film. It's a journey of redemption. Yeah. It's um it's a quest for proving that kindness and taking the high road in the face of recriminating discrimination while you do want to reach across the table and punch someone's face in or whatever it is won't help you. You won't be killing them with kindness either, yeah, yeah. but you'll be preserving your very soul by taking the high road, not engaging on that level. It's hard sometimes. It's, it's, yes. Yeah. That's why it's the high road. I'm just trying to say that it's the parallels of this yeah. film, The Whale, are similar enough to my own sensibilities and my own um, experience yeah. that I, ho I my hope is that it's not perceived as being in any way you know, appropriating my own life. Oh. To put it in a work of art to make myself different or better or anything like that. But right. I am finding a way to take this and use it. Yeah. I, I got to use it for this, for the sure. art, to take those risks. Yeah. Well, I think what I was saying, and I think what you're saying is correct and true, and, and I don't think uh, I'm misunderstanding it or anyone will misunderstand it, is that I don't think anybody really could have played it uh, as deeply as you did because of your own life preparation for this. Whether I chose those preparations That's right. or the... Exactly. Is that, you know, that the depth of conflict and pain and, uh, you know, shame and all that stuff, it, it was, you know, I don't think I saw it as anything you were working through. But like I said at the beginning of this interview, it very quickly wasn't about somebody you know, uh, affected by obesity. It was about a human uh, who who was struggling with a lot of, of different things, and it was heartbreaking. And I, I just, what I guess my point is, is that, you know, whatever your life experience was, it gave you the empathy and the emotional range to take this on and, and do it effectively as an artist, not as somebody working through their own problems. 
I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. I take comfort in it too. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just really like it's just one of those things where this is what you do with your life. This is your art and this is your thing, man. And, you know, and, and you keep doing it. And this is just one of those amazing cosmic convergences. Convergence. Right? The stars do align right. sometimes. Yeah, man. And, and you know, it just, it, it was like the perfect kind of, it was kind of genius for 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 Darren to think of you and for you to take the risk to do it. And you know, I'm proud of you. And I, you. I and I and I and was deeply affected by the film. And I think it was really amazing work. Thank but you. it was not selfish work. Thank you. Thank you. That <laughs> yeah. means a lot to me. Yeah. Well, that's how I saw it. Thank you. And then I cried a lot. You're not alone. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me. I hope I didn't drag you through. No, that. not a in difficult the least, time. Like I said. Before you can take the invitation with a furrowed brow and not go there, or you can accept it and go in the door and find out what it means in the sense that even Melville, who wrote that ignorance is the parent of fear, which effectively means to me, be curious, know, have knowledge. Yeah. Don't shy away from it or you'll be frightened all your life. Embrace the suck, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And hopefully some good will come out of it on the other end. When the forest burns to the ground in yeah. Yellowstone, years later, we see plants that have never been there. We see animals coming back. We yeah. see all sorts of properties of ecology and everything in a different way. Maybe right. less of it or a different kind, but something good comes out, something new. Yeah. You weren't expecting or anticipating. Maybe that's beautiful. Maybe that'll take us to a different state of better evolution. Yeah. Yeah. That's hope. That's hope. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Likewise. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Wait, can I just do sure, one, man. one what the fuck? Yeah. What do you want? What the fuck? <laughs> there. Sorry. It's my catchphrase <laughs> from Doom Patrol. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Doom Patrol. Do another one. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. There you go. That got heavy, but I, you know, it, it was, it was good. And I hope, I hope you all got something out of that. This, this trauma stuff is, is rough, man. It really is. The whale is now playing in theaters and I, I think it's a must see. All right. Hang out. You guys, will you, can you hang out? People. Not for nothing, but a lot of our recent guests are now Academy Award nominees. In addition to Brendan on today's show, you've got Sarah Pauly from Monday Show, who was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Last week, we had Best Director nominee Todd Field. And last month, we had Ryan Johnson, who's also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Go catch up on all those episodes right now. They're all in the free feed. And for full Marin listeners, we've got the latest Wrestling with Mark episode is uh, is up this week featuring AEW wrestler Chris Jericho. If you can milk a crowd. Oh, I will milk them till the cows come home. So you can just keep doing the, the, different, the different parts of the story. Right? I did a match in Chicago yeah. right before Thanksgiving with Ishii. Oh, and God, he's a Japanese great. guy, doesn't speak English, yeah. but he's really hard-hitting. And I said, "Let's we're going to chop each other, like slap each other in the chest. Yeah. 
for like five minutes straight. Let's just see what happens. And dude, our chests were blood. I was actually bleeding, my black and blue. And for five minutes, this crowd was going nuts. And then they go down a bit. And I said, just keep going. You know, it's like a comedy. Repetition yeah, always right. gets a laugh. Sure. Wrestling repetition will always, and they came back up. And they're just now they're just going bananas for this chop fight. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. We don't have to do anything. Just chop each other for five minutes, hit you with the finish, and the yeah. match is done. To subscribe to The Full Marin, go to the link in the episode description or click on WTF Plus over at WTFPod.com. Here's some guitar. Monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs> 